What's happening, Dub Talk fam? It's your girl Gigi from Anime Palooza, and today we are going to do a tutorial on how to do a Dub Talk podcast disclaimer. But before we get into this video, first of all, you gotta smash that like button, hit that bell, and subscribe so you can keep Dub Talk in all of your favorite feeds and listen to us all the time. All right, so step number one, in order to make a good Dub Talk disclaimer, you have to tell your friends, uh, the podcast you're about to hear contains strong language and adult content and listener discretion is advised. Make sure no little baby eardrums are listening to this now. You know, you don't have to mark it that uh, you're going to get demonetized, but you know, Got to keep it on the down low that this is the way you want to do it. All right, step two. There's going to be spoilers for any anime, including all of my dress up darling. So again, be warned if there's something you have to finish that uh, discretion that we talked about before. Yeah, we're definitely going to spoil this whole thing and talk about how wonderful it is and how cool it is to cosplay your favorite characters with us. And the number third, the number third, that's a de that's a deep cut, friends. The third thing you need to know is that all opinions expressed in this show are those of the individuals and do not represent Dub Talk as a whole. And that's it. That's your tutorial. So uh, get out your eyebrow pencils and your masking tape and get ready to have a good time putting on your best face and talking about all your love for cosplay, your best girls and your best boys and enjoy my dress up darling. See you soon. Love your faces and uh, otaku on my friends. Hello and welcome to Dub Dolls, where we talk about the latest and greatest in dolls, both Japanese and English in style. Joining us is a wonderful team of craftsmen, designers, and models the world over here to show you around our lovely little shop. I'm your tour guide, Andrew, and joining me today is Stephanie. Dolls. I, I didn't... I, I thought this was like a, a fashion tour. Like, what the... Or... or uh, what the fuck are we doing here with dolls? Dolls need clothes too, you know. Jamal. I sew dolls, I craft dolls, I dress up dolls. Hold on, let me get on this catcher's bit. This hot girl's about to fall into my lap. <laughs> and Gigi. I like to take pictures. I also like to take pictures. I, if anyone gets the I drew pictures reference, you're the real MVP. <laughs> so yeah, so much hard work and passion goes into making beautiful things, and we here want to talk to you about a beautiful show, as well as go through every little seam and stitch that makes it tick. From Studio Cloverworks and author Shinichi Fukuda, we are here to discuss the anime and English dub of the hit series, My Dress Up Darling. Yay! It cute. It is very cute. But, for those of you who are uninformed, uh, let me share with you a brief synopsis for the show. Wakana Gojo is a high school boy who wants to become a Kashirashi, a master craftsman who makes traditional Japanese Hina dolls. Though he's gung-ho about the craft, he knows nothing about the latest trends and has a hard time fitting in with his classmates. The popular kids, especially one girl, Marin Kitagawa, seem like they live in a completely different world. 
That all changes one day where she shares an unexpected secret with him and their completely different worlds collide. Gojo's a dork. I love him. Being Gojo is suffering sometimes, so... It's suffering, but it's fucking adorable as shit. Why is Marin how I used to be? I you were, miss, you, I miss you're that a, life. You're, an, you're a Marine? You're an old Marine? Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss okay, that life. It's fine. We love you anyway. Why did you pause? You look like you want to say something. I, I'm getting a weird mental image and I don't know if it's good or not. What? Oh, you're talking to Andrew. What? Okay. I'm talking to Andrew. Oh, why, so, you, why so, you pause? Sorry, I, 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 okay, I, okay, um. You, you okay? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, trying to figure out where I'm going with this. Oh, shit. Okay, so, shit, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, this is a lot quieter than I thought it was gonna be. Okay, okay. Chris just came home. Hi, Chris! He can't hear you, you're in my headphones. Hi, Chris! <laughs> I think I know how to get it back on track, Andrew. Hey, Gigi, how much would I pay, can I pay you to cosplay mine? Oh my um, god! You can pay me, like, mm, let's see, I'm really okay. cheap because she's really awesome. So, like, mm, ten bucks, I'm down. Just buy me bubble tea and we'll call it a day. <laughs> oh, God. My hair used to be like that. Like, literally, the, that was my hair. The two-tone color? The two-tone color. Like, oh, yeah. I was, I was oh, cute. Oh, God. Like, I miss that shit. Like, I miss running around and cosplaying and being super loud and, like, confident. And now I'm just super loud and an asshole. So <laughs> what does that tell you about where my life has gone? I've turned from Marin to Karen. Chi-Chi, oh, no. Chi-Chi, you need to be so much nicer to yourself. You are wonderful, sweet, fun we love you we love our wine mom our wine aunt it's fine you are beautiful you are precious and i'm happy to have you here with us tonight thanks let's all get drunk fuck yeah because this is a show i will admit i was i i had heard some decent things about but i gotta say this one hooked me a lot more than i was expecting it to because I, I definitely will admit I am kind of a sucker for a good romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. But this one's got a very strong pair, I would definitely say. And I think the show's got a really good heart. And honestly, just kind of charmed me in a way I really wasn't expecting it to. I only knew about the basic premise, and I knew cosplay wasn't involved. Oh, yeah. That's it. I knew I was going to love it. I I didn't realize it was going to actually have, like, romantic comedy hijinks and shenanigans and all this fun stuff. And it's very adorable. It's so fucking dorky. Well, it's funny because it's from a shonen manga, which you wouldn't think, but then you see, right. like, the boobs, and then you're like, oh, that's where it is. Oh, yeah. 
I would describe this show as horny yet wholesome. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Where it's like, the, how do I describe it? It's, you, you know what, The Lion King, where like Simba eats the bug and he's like slimy yet satisfying? Yes. Ooh, spin the hot I, I wondered where the fuck you were going with that. I was like, did you just <laughs> compare this shit to The Lion King? I will come over there and move fast at you. Oh, <laughs> No, I, I specifically mean the aspect where it's like, you eat it, and you're like, oh, God, what am I going to get with this? This looks kind of crude. This looks aggressively horny, heterosexual bullshit. And they're like, oh, no, this has good character development. Both of the pairs, both of the people in this romantic rela- comedy relationship are charming and enjoyable with their own personalities. It's also funny. It's also cute, and it also made me feel genuine emotions other than, oh no, girl hot, hop on a boob, ah no, horny, no. This this show's got a lot of layers going for it. Can I just say, when Gigi was talking about coming over and Mufasa-ing your ass, the only thing I thought of, and Gigi's gonna appreciate this, it's the circle of life. (laughs) And it moves us all. Now get the, the fuck, fuck off, off my, my balcony. balcony. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You're welcome. For 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 the old for the longtime fans, you know exactly what that's from. <laughs> so yeah, um, and and yeah, with that, uh, I'm definitely going to get a lot more into my thoughts on the show as we go in. But I think I would like to start by introducing the everyone. Everyone. Because this show actually has a relatively small cast of, like, core players. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to discuss... We're going to just talk around this, like, the table. Do you want to... Are we introducing everybody and their credits first, and then we're kind of yes, going that, from there? Okay. That's my A play. <laughs> did, you give a, so, did you give a show description? Yeah, yeah did. Oh, I did. wow, I really fucking tuned you out there. I'm just in the background. I really canceled you in my mind, didn't I? <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, that's right. It's been a hot minute since you. Canceled I know. Him. It's been a while. You, you tried canceling him the other night on game night, and he wasn't even there. I haven't Ooh. even said anything bad yet. It's I haven't even been a keyword. while. Keyword yet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so let's start off with our main characters that we're going to talk about, and I will also thus introduce the staff and who plays the characters after the fact. So, we're going to be talking about Wakana Gojo, our titular lead character boy. Uh, He wants to be a Kashirashi and make Hina dolls, and he's a shy boy who gets brought out of his shell by one Marin Kitagawa, who is a rambunctious, spunky lady who knows what she's about and is not afraid to show what she's about. There's also, uh, Gojo's wonderful grandpa, Karu Gojo, who runs uh, Gojo Dolls. There's also a popular cosplayer named Juju, aka Sajina Inui, as well as her younger sister, Shinju Inui, who is her camera photographer, her lens behind the ears. And also her biggest fan, aside from Marine. 
Biggest fan and supporter, yeah. <coughs> so, these are the five characters we are going to be discussing about. Out. We'll also mention, as well, probably one we're talking about, the staff. A couple of fun little incidental background characters that I think are worth mentioning, just as in passing. Okay. So, let's start off by introducing the ADR directing and writing staff. Our ADR directors for My Dress Up Darling are... Emily Fajardo and Aaron Roberts. Emily Fajardo has directed for such anime like Mushoko Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation, Remain, Sasuke and Miyano, and How Not to Summon a Demon Lord Omega. Aaron Roberts has directed on anime such as Sasuke and Miyano, Banished from the Heroes Party, and the new season of Date Alive, Date Alive 4. Our writers for this show are Leah Clark and Madeline Morris. Leah's written for shows such as Gleepnir, Chio School Road, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, and Skate the Infinity. Madeline has written for such anime as Mushoku Tensei, Nekopara, Remain, and Other Side Picnic. And starting off for Who Plays Who... Uh, Shinju is played by one Jade Saxton, who has played such characters as Tamaki Kotatsu in Fire Force, Chika Fujiwara in Kaguya-sama Love is War, Rem Galu in How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, Momiji Mochizuki in New Game, and Megami Tadakoro in Food Wars. Juju is played by Risa Mei, who has played characters such as Nadila in Kakushigoto, Rum in Shadow's House, MP446 in Girls Frontline, Satomi in Sing a Bit of Harmony, and Futaba Igarashi in My Senpai is Annoying. Uh, Grandpa Gojo is played by Arbruce Elliott, who you'll know for such roles as Merlin Wolford in Wise Man's Grandchild, Tanaka in Black Butler, the narrator from Space Dandy, Dot Pixis in Attack on Titan, and Grandpa Makarov Driver in fairy tale uh playing the role of gojo is one paul date and as far as anime is concerned this is basically his first anime this is it voice yeah. acting credit this is it to speak of date bio <laughs> god damn it can i say one thing Hang on. First, I actually need to... Gigi, I talk a lot of shit about some of your jokes and some of your comments. That's fucking funny. I'm proud of you, girl. Can I... So, fun fact. I looked this up so Andrew knows about it, and I actually told Jamal this yesterday. So, Gigi, we get live reactions from you for this one. Okay. So, Paul Date, he's an actor, but he's also a musician. He's a violinist. And he's worked doing, like, um commercial products for like AT&T, Nickelodeon, things like that. He's also done strings for two Miley Cyrus albums. Nice. Yeah, including Bangers, which of course is the album that has I came in like a wrecking ball. (laughs) Yeah. Please, Please don't do that again. I won't do that again. Okay, cool. But I, I was just like, I know she, would, I know you would appreciate that. Everybody <laughs> now, loves the Miley. 
yes. Now, if you would like to talk about our last character, someone who literally walks into the show like a fucking wrecking ball. <laughs> but we love her anyway. Marin Kitagawa is played by one Amelie. Yay! A.K.A. Amanda Lee, who you'll know for such characters as Hogetsu Shimamura in Adachi and Shimamura, Chunko Kono in Zombieland Saga, Zero in Grimoire of Zero, Shea Halia in Ari Fruetta, and I Hayasaka in Kaguya-sama, Love is War. Before I even start this conversation, I have to ask, what do you think is the context for how she how she did that jump? Like, what What was the context behind that? Oh, you mean when she accidentally knocks her she ass She literally into the flies desk? into the air and, like, slams her head on his desk. Like, what do you think was the fucking catalyst for that? Oh, God. I have no idea. Either somebody punched her or it's probably, like, the Eddie to Soprano said that. Whatever, though, it's up to your own interpretation, I guess. Okay, okay, here's... Here's see, my inter- see, here's my interpretation. Your own, interp- oh, your own interpretation is the correct answer, but my interpretation is that she was trying to reenact the vine back at it again at the Krispy Kreme, where she does several backflips and knocks the fucking Krispy Kreme side off. How do you backflip that hard? It's I have I'm... no idea what you're talking about, but that's fucking hysterical. Oh, How does that even I'm work? Look that up. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but. You... I... What? Now I gotta look this up. Just look up back at it again at the Krispy Kreme. Oh my god. Back at it again at the Krispy Kreme. It's like six seconds. It's four seconds. Where's Google when you need it? Oh, oh, you didn't even... It, you, hang on. You need to watch it again. Oh, it starts right there. Okay, four seconds long. He didn't knock over a song, dude. Oh, I thought he knocked... I thought he literally knocked the he side off. Back, he just backflips. He kicks it! Yeah, he kicks the side, yeah. I didn't see it. I don't know. It wasn't in that video version. It wasn't in the one I found. Anyways, yeah. That's what. (laughs) The point is, that's my personal headcanon of how Marin got in there, is that she's trying to show off to her friends and be like, yo, check this shit out. I'm going to reenact this vine. Hold my beer. What the fuck? Nobody knows what vines are anymore. Society has... Just, it's, it's our generation. It's TikTok now, bitch. It's TikTok Society now. has gone downhill ever since we lost a vine, and that is a fact. Fuck you! I got a lot of, I had a lot of fun on TikTok. I never insulted TikTok. I just said society has gone downhill. If you can't edit vine. your videos to nine seconds long, what's even the point of your life? Exactly. Uh... Anyways... Now you now now join us for this two hour podcast. Oh God, hurry up! <laughs> Anyways, uh, so let's start off with uh, what we thought about the. Uh, would you like to start with the writing or the directing on this one? Mm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna start with whatever I feel like talking about. Uh, what do you feel like talking about then? Um, start the floor. That these damn walla lines are the best walla lines ever since Skate the Infinity. <laughs> I am of this. Uh, thank you, Leah. <laughs> I am of this thing that Leah Clark is the new best writer <laughs> at Funimation slash Crunchyroll. I know she's not new. I know she's been around the block a lot of times. But goddamn, everything she writes is comedy gold. And even if she didn't write it, like if other people were improvising during it, the fact that the direction kept those funny lines in, like makes my life. Cause when I'm sitting there listening 
for the background dialogue. Like, it is the best. Like, the one girl who said Dorkasaurus. Yes. Like, (laughs) the one guy who said, how is she so perfect? I call witchcraft. Maybe it was a girl. I don't really remember. One of Andrew's favorite phrases was bougie jacuzzi. Oh, I love bougie. (laughs) Just the fact that they're... They're in the they're in the love hotel and she's just like checking out everything in the hotel room and she's like wow check out this bath it's huge I'm digging this bougie jacuzzi and it's just I love that so much yeah. it is such a choice oh, turn of, of phrase. Oh, one of my favorite lines comes from. Ooh, um, I didn't mod- need to leave my phone on. <laughs> one of my favorite lines comes in like episode three. It's from. Um, Amelie Monning. Mama went to the bank. Boom. That's my favorite line in the whole show. <laughs> just like, just casually, like the side eye, like hell yeah, with like a stack of cash. Mama went to the bank. Boom. <laughs> Boom. So, so good. So, one of the more interesting things I remember seeing is that My Dress Up Darling is a show that is absolutely carried by localization and adaptation choices that yes. make it made what would have made like a pretty decent thing into an amazing thing. This is a credit to the original Crunchyroll translation as well as the adaptive version of the script from both Leah and Maddie herself. Um, there is just so much, there's a lot of choice dialogue and turn of phrase for a lot of things as well as also making it flow makes sense and make it believable that this like 16 year old high school girl is very trendy and is going to drop terms like this yeah pretty much and for the most part i believe it i like for like 95 to 99 percent i'd say i buy all of it yeah yeah. yeah, there's a couple there's like one or two turns of phrases i'm like i, I, don't, I don't quite buy that one it but that's like more nitpicking for me at this point. I think, I feel I think like, it's fun. I feel like the the writing on it makes it a bit more not necessarily casual, but it's it's conversational, but it matches what a conversation with high schoolers would be like today. Yeah. Which it could potentially date the show down the line, but that's a problem for the future, not right now. Um, but, like, some random shit, like, Mama went to the bank, bougie jacuzzi, what did I, else did I write? Stalker sauce. Yeah, okay, stalker sauce was what I was a little like. Later, Mr. Hamburglar. I can at least vouch for Mama went to the bank and Hamburglar were things that were in the, uh, tra- the subs translation. Okay, too. so they took into, it definitely then took into account just, um... Making it more conversational, but also making it fit the, um, fit the, fit, like, modern day slang and conversations. I, which isn't a bad thing. Like, these are just high school kids being silly, high, dorky high school kids. Especially when your two leads are f- the fucking dorkiest little shits I have ever met. I also mm-hmm. have to specifically com- compliment the choice that was made when it came to localizing this. To not just make it love, to make it wove. 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 And I'm going to be honest, making it wove instead of love for some of these scenes illustrates this level of, like, puppy dog crush 
It's that, very cute. Like, that's what I would describe Ooh, it. It's woo. like... Lo- Ooh, woo. Oh, God, that's what it is. It's Yeah, it's, it's ooh, woo. It's Marin's first... Not only her first crush, it's her first ooh, woo crush. But don't. Oh, my gosh. You know, I think... I think a lot of this was written not just, like, for younger slang-ish kind of dating, but also for the weebs. Like, this has got internet shit, internet slang written all over it. I mean, some of them are a little outdated. Like, Marin said totes at one point, and I'm like, nobody says that anymore. She she also said blingy when describing cosplay spots, and I have not heard blingy since the MySpace days. Bling, bling. (laughs) Every time I come around, I sing it. Bling, bling. Come on, Jamal. I, you know what? That's I not what I that. meant. You know it, Gigi. Oh, I, that's what I thought it meant. I, I would, I would definitely agree that I think there's this has the weeb touch added into the uh, dialogue and the localization for sure. But it works because our two leads are fucking dorks. I think they're nerds. I think one of the genuine hardest laughs. I had, and when I fe- felt like I was going to fall in love with this one, was when Marin was trying to explain to him what Slippery Girls was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 fucking, and then I'm going to take a guess. And Gojo's like, this can't be real. This isn't like an actual thing. And he looks her dead in the eye. And she's just like, like serious, like explaining shit. And he's just, he sits there. He's like, oh, wow, this is real. <laughs> My favorite part was when the guy ejaculated in front of everyone during the yeah, I was. adulting ruins lives. <laughs> God, I I fucking love. <laughs> that was so good. Just casually them walking down the street, just tr- just picking up materials for um, the the, co- sh- the cosplay, and the then talking about cosplay. just him j- ejaculating. And then here's the random Ooh. office worker. She's like, the fuck. Oh that was God. Erica Schroeder, by the way. Oh, yeah. That I was amazing. Yeah. That was an amazing three lines of dialogue that she I got. Loved it. <laughs> oh, it, it stood out. That 20 was out of 10. Light. Like, I will tell you one thing that was kind of distracting, but it's not really their fault because I'm sure it was in the original material, was in the narrator. And I was like, this doesn't yeah. really fit in. That was the one odd thing. Like, the narrator, that- it, it wasn't a consistent role. And then we just pop in at random moments. It's like, why is this? And it's not th- its not the voice acting at all. It's just the fact that there was a narrator no. sometimes. I, I think it's basically that the, the, for some reason, the animation team staff on that decided to leave the narrator in for at least a couple of those scenes. And I would definitely agree. It's a, it's a little jarring, but I'm also somebody who still stands by that the best arc in Hunter Hunter is the Chimera Ant arc, so I'm a little forgiving of it. Well, here, Don't talk my to thing. me. I thought you hate ants. <laughs> Don't talk to me or I my son ever ants. again. Ah! Um, Jamal, I'm more mad at you. Like I literally did. I literally did that to poke the hornet's nest and fuck with Gigi, and now I want to strangle you even more. I'm impressed. <laughs> Context is for game night, Vod. Anyway, no, what I want to say about that kind of leading into it is the narration that just comes in out of nowhere isn't necessary, so if the decision was made to just take that out entirely, it wouldn't be missed. Compared to... Because another show you and I have been watching on and off lately um, that actually decided to add more to that narrator 
is Comey Can't Communicate. Mm-hmm. Where they purposely use the narrator because there is a lot of um, text that's in kanji um, for like word bubbles, thought bubbles, things like that. They actually utilize more of the narrator for those thought bubbles, those speech bubbles, things like that. So that's something that and that can be added to like for a narrator role. For this, you could easily take the narrator completely out of it and you wouldn't be missing much. It kind of ends up being superflu- superfluous at that point. Is that the right term or no? Something yeah, like super- bit. superfluous. superfluous. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's a big word. Ooh. I like big sexy words. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. But no, like, you wouldn't be missing much if it was taken out. I can, I can probably see why... I have a suspicion, like, maybe they couldn't take the narrator out. Or they just thought, how do we explain this thing in a natural way? Yeah. I guess. So, I think that's probably the one awkward thing, but that's more on the side of... That's more of the adaptation. That's more of the adaptation and the narrator character existing, rather than the dub. Was the narrator actually credited? Yeah. Yeah. Is it on that chart? It's Brianna Roberts. I'm I'm looking at the chart Uh, right now. Oh, it is oh okay, yeah, Brianna Nob Roberts is the narrator. Okay. I didn't actually see the narrator part. Thank you, Jamal. Cool. Uh yeah. But the narrator isn't as frequent enough, so I didn't really feel need to mention it. Uh before we go into the actually, this would be a good part to segue into both the directing as well as a couple of fun little side characters that's about what to bring up. Okay. So first things first, I wanna compliment that this show does a great job selling like a mid 2000s 4x3 magical girl yes! anime. Yes. It, yes. Like the visuals and the aesthetic absolutely sold that this is like a Toei animation. Oh, yeah. Mid 2000s magical girl anime. Late 90s. Voiced from the d- by actors who could voice in a mid 2000s yeah. magical anime. I want to watch it, it, it so bad. Where's the like, spinoff? It, it's got the perfect aesthetic. It looks like a pretty cure thing. It's got rip-off Dragon Ball Z sound effects. It's like, it's... They, they absolutely nailed the aesthetic. And what I love even more is the Magical Girl sisters, Shion and Neon, are the fucking anarchy siblings. Yeah. <laughs> Monica yeah. Rial and Jamie Marchi. Fuck yeah! Perfect. Perfect. Why is their casting so perfect? Also, the fun... Also, you have Lucy Christian, a.k.a. Princess Tutu, basically playing Princess Tutu all over again. (laughs) Which is beautiful! Also, shout out to their uh, familiars, Ellie uh, Dricht and Justin Briner. I thought that was Justin Briner. Of course, that that was was Justin Briner as uh, Neon's uh yeah uh so yeah i love i love that particular casting uh the only other ones i want to particularly uh shout out as far as like incidentals or ensembles um uh i love um matt shipman and Brittany lauda as the stars of the joyously named suck idk or suck a dick if you want to be funny i don't (laughs) 
what he fucking with. said that to me when we were watching it the other day. I'm like, oh, you bastard. Why you do this to me? The biggest twist in the entirety of the show is that the extremely long title was for a four coma slice of life manga and not a light novel. It was a slice. That of was God. a big. Tw- it was slice of life, yeah. all right. Yeah. So Matt Shipman is great because he sounds like Matt Shipman, but I really, really want to give a <laughs> shout so out cute. to Brittany Lauda for doing what I can only describe as her best bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls yes. voice. It's basically yes. Judith Shan all over again. <laughs> bubbles, what are you doing? Coloring. Basically. It's the this- just something about the way Britney sounds as Liz is so eerily on point to, like, Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. Like, I was actually impressed. It like, genuinely so. Um, uh, as far as, uh, I, I also probably could have argued to put, uh, Noah in here, but she's kind of a little more incidental, but I want to give a shout-out to Noah, a.k.a. Danny Chambers. Oh, you meant the character. Because... Okay. Because I think that her character design is very cool. Yeah, it is. I liked it a lot, too. I was sad that there was no, there was so little Noah. I was like, she's cool looking. Put her in the anime. We Well, yeah, season two, maybe, hopefully. Cross your fingers. Don't uh, tease me with the season two. I will say that this ended, like, very well. Like, it was a really good ending where did. if we don't yeah. get any more, I'm okay with that. No, yeah, it left it, it left it conclusive enough. But still open to the possibility of there being another season, which is honestly a fantastic way to end a show like this. Oh, I actually forgot about this one. Uh, props to Sarah Weeded Hef for oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> playing Shizuku or Shizuku Katan. Shizuku Katan. Uh, and having the very dramatic, heartfelt moment of Maureen explaining how much she loves and is moved by these characters and how she wants to be their lives, followed by... <laughs> like, oh my god. By noises. Very raunchy noises. Very. Oh, that's why the thing <laughs> cut out for me. Uh, okay. Can I, can I just say one of, one of the funniest things um, in the show very early on? When Slipper Girls 2 is introduced and Marin gives Gojo the game. <laughs> okay. I I I love that scene and so fucking, much. Fucking so he Marin gives Gojo the two games as reference material, okay? So he's playing those games. They're Euro they're arrow games. They're erotic games. Okay. So Fucking poor Grandpa Gojo. He comes back from an excursion to get a new sewing machine because there's shit the bed. And he comes back to fucking Gojo staring so intently at this fucking game while taking notes and not knowing what the fuck is happening. So, I want to use that scene as a great illustrator for My Dress Up Darling does not go for the obvious joke or the obvious story setup, in that the entirety of episode two was knowing Grandpa was out of the house and Gojo was measuring uh, Marin in her fucking bomb-ass bikini. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, oh, God, is Grandpa going to walk in and it's going to be awkward? And it's like, well, I didn't see nothing. And no, 
no, they didn't. He never came home. They instead saved Grandpa walking in on Gojo for the better punchline of him playing the fucking visual novel. Yep. And Gojo's not even embarrassed. He's just like, oh, hey, Grandpa, you're home. Uh, dinner's in the fridge. I made it for you. Love you. And, and Grandpa's just like, oh, he is at that age. And all I could think was, are you winning, son? <laughs> And grandpa, grandpa wanted Gojo to try and make friends and get out more and do things. Grandpa didn't count on this. Gra grandpa <laughs> never said how. So, grandpa never said how. So you're right. We we talked about all the. Oh shit! No, actually, uh, uh, Ooh, baby wow. Gojo, uh, is Jack Britton actually? Baby Gojo, I love. Oh my god, I love Jack Britton. He's so precious. A uh, child actor, actually, um, who has popped up in a couple of things Emily's worked on. Um, Including um, Stink... Stinkbomb? Yeah. Cannon, Cannon Fodder. Fodder. Excuse me, not he's, He is the Cannon little... Ha he's, he's the little soldier kid yeah. in uh, Cannon Fodder, which that's like I main place I'd heard him, and I thought, wow, he was really good in that, he too. He's so cute as baby Gojo. And yeah, no, he did a great job. I love him. He precious be. I will protect baby Gojo with my life, goddammit. So, definitely segueing this back to uh, Emily Fajardo and Aaron Roberts as directing. Um, I'm going to go on ahead and say uh, Emily Fajardo is absolutely proving herself as probably like one of my favorite directors at Crunchyroll right now. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. This, isn't this like the first show when that she got to do when she was hired as a full-time director for, at the time, Funimation. Uh, this yeah. and one other show, because, yeah, she got hired as officially full-time in January, which was the season this and the other show yeah, that cause I remember her a few and Aaron tweets, worked on. Yeah, because I remember a few tweets including, like, her and I think, um, Sean Gann she, went yes. full-time as well at the same time. Yes, it was around that same period, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, um, this is a fantastic dub. And even it, for, like, a relatively small core cast, the thing you need to sell is the chemistry between people that aren't talking to each other at the same time. Yeah. And abso-fucking-lutely do I buy the chemistry between Paul Date and Amelie as Marin and Gojo. It's electric. And it's fucking funny. It's... It's adorable. It's sexy. It's everything. It's the whole shebang. And absolutely, these performances are delightful, really compelling. And, like, some of, like, my favorite, like, comedic deliveries of the year. Even giving what I would argue for at least one person in particular, probably a career best. Which is no small feat in its own right. Yeah, this is the kind of show where the show will, will succeed or fail with its two leads so if that chemistry is not there um and the comedic timing is not there it's dead on arrival so the material not only was handled amazingly but the direction is just i think also very fantastic um and having this back and forth between uh gojo and Kitagawa is just so fun. Yep. <laughs> these these are two nerdy, dorky little goobers, and I love them so much. <laughs> well, that and the casting is pretty varied, which also yeah. makes oh, yes. me happy. Like, you have a newcomer, and then you have... 
people who are not really newcomers and you have veterans. Like I really liked the variety of, of roles and actors that were cast in them. And of course, like perfect casting is perfect. I mean, what can I say? Cause like, uh, Amelie is pretty much born to play Marin and anyone can fight me if you disagree, but I would like to say, let's go back to go sick where I gave Amelie my W for voice actor to watch. And now look at her. Great. She was in, I am blanking on who she was in Ghost. She was in like a couple episodes and she was that girl on the train. Oh, yeah, you right. Okay. You right. So, yeah, but. Can I can I also just say like, because um, Gigi brought up the point of like a mix, a, a very, a varied cast with like newcomers and um, veterans and all this kind of stuff. With the five characters alone we're talking about, we have someone who is brand new to anime. Yeah. And we also have Risa May, who is still relatively green, but she has been like gaining more prominence. And then you have, of course, Jade and R. Bruce Elliott, who've been in the industry forever, and Amelie, who has a following of her own. It's a different kind of following, considering where she originally started out from. But... This is like a car- like a career highlight, I would say, for Amelie. See, I almost don't want to spoil talking about this because I do have an order of how I want to approach this. But well, we're kind of just here, so where do you want to go from here, buddy? Uh, any other thoughts on Emily and Aaron? Uh, they're very great directors. I've admired Emily for her work back during the South Cadence days, and. I always thought she was delight whether she was directing, writing, or having some fun, some weird type of the show. Uh, Ed Roberts, a uh, small note, he's an assistant director. I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed what episodes he directed so far, and his, of course, his other project out now, so. But I think the two did a very good job on this, and the writing definitely matches the flow so well, so natural that, like, even these. <laughs> All this jokes that you catch up on is it's very fun to hear, very naturalistic, but I do have something I want to say about the main cast, but I'll wait till we get into it, so Okay. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I I just wanna say that um anybody who like gives writers and directors of anime shit for modernizing the source material, yeah. Please just leave everybody alone, guys. We all can't say, you know, how do you translate Date Bayo? How? Please tell me. How do you translate Itadakimasu? Just stop. You, you, like, let people Naka, have... Nakama is so strong that it cannot possibly communicate it by any other word in the English language. Let people have up. creative freedom because it's fun and it's funny. Especially and since so the show calls for it. If you don't think it's fun and it. funny, go watch something that's boring. I'm also <laughs> going to give a shout out to one uh, Sarah Moon, who I believe is a translator, that actually did a video because having the conversation about localized translation versus literal translation, where everybody's like, don't modernize it, don't localize it, make it a straight literal translation. And it literally shows this is what the. This was what they localized these scenes and dialogue in My Dress Up Darling, and this is what a literal translation would sound like and look like. And it's a fascinating video. Because, yeah. 
localization and translation is fucking integral, and you people need to stop giving it shit or stop being afraid of the boogeyman of things like slang or liberal creativity and all that shit. Get the fuck over yourself. Stop having a bitch fit every time you hear, like, misogyny or can, heterosexuality can, brought up in a dub, can, just saying. Can, can I say something? Sorry, that was a little bit of a... You're, you're, I was you're, dwelling on that for a you're bit. You're good, but... My thing when it comes to localization and adapting is... I've always had a problem of and fear of things... Of certain, like, terminology or slang and things like that. Dating shows and how it could potentially have a... Ha have a poor effect on it and cause an issue, like, in the future for for, like, years down the line for newcomers wanting to look back at shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Over the years in doing this fucking podcast, my opinion has kind of changed here and there a little bit. I think, like, having a lot more creative freedom and localizing things is fine, but I think... I think it were I think it's really good when you have a title like a dr My Dress Up Darling, or... Even, let's throw, like, a Skate in the Infinity in there, for example, mm -hmm. right? Where you can have that much more creative freedom because it's a series that could fit the, a more loose localization or loose adaptation, really. It's not, these, I'm not saying these shows are, like, loosely adapted, not even by a long shot, because these are very well adapted. I'm just saying, like, localization-wise, scripting-wise... Like, these shows benefit from something like this. Whereas, let's take... What's an example that would be... A, that would not benefit very well with an adaptation like this? Um, Name anything that I won't watch. <laughs> uh, I know something you would watch that would not work very well. Moriarty the Patriot, but that's more of a historical piece. That's so that you different. Already I know, that's more of a historical piece, and you have a little bit of a drawback there. I'm trying to think of a good example um, that isn't a historical, that's more of a modern drama, really. Um, Kona Oto Tomare kind of has a little bit of creative freedom with, like, localization and, like, like writing and stuff like that. Um, but it's not too, like, too loose, because it's still, like, much more of a dramatic show. So, a show like Kona Oto Tomare... If you went too far with it, I feel like it would ha be a slight detriment. They f they managed to strike that balance when they did that show, for example. So it, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. But, like, with a, My Dress of Darling, it benefited so nicely. Yes. <laughs> Steph, are you no longer afraid of the dude, bro? I will cringe if I ever hear it. I'm not afraid of it, but I will still cringe. <laughs> but, like... I think I've I've gotten a bit more like the more I've learned about writing ADR writing localization translations, just learning more about the process in general. I feel like has changed my perspective on the argument of like, oh, this is gonna fucking date the show badly. It, it's a case by case basis. I feel like my dress up darling. It could run into that issue later, like years down the road. But that's a problem for years down the road but honestly for the here and now it benefited from much more creative localization like this so much more <laughs> honestly so so 
in conclusion, yeah, this dub is really good. It's really funny. And absolutely so much of it has to do with the care that goes into the translation, the localization, as well as the writing and directing of this project as a whole that all comes together and makes it great. And before we move on, all I'm just going to say is this. Just because a dub is funny and uses, like, li liberal terminology and translation doesn't mean it's, like, in a bridge series or it's the next ghost stories, for fuck's sake! Oh, God, no, please don't compare it. I, I keep thinking of that time fucking my buddy Josh Crimson made an edit for something like this where it's like, ha, ah, this dub's funny. It's like the new ghost stories or bridge series. It's just crying. Oh, the Nagatoro Te shit. Tears oh. in his eyes, snot in his nose. Shut up! Please shut the fuck up! Yeah, I stand by that. I saw a comment like that when I was looking up a clip for my Dress Up Darling too. by the way, and it's like, come on, guys. Come on. All right, that soapbox is done. For now. For now. You want to do grandpa? Oh, I, I thought do grandpa. we were done. I was ready to give. I was ready to be done. I was like, wow, this is great. We got done in under an hour. <laughs> no, <we laughs> not that. Not that easy. Oh, guys, tomorrow's my month end. <laughs> let's be. Let's be concise. We will attempt. And on the, fail. On the plus, yeah, on the plus side, we're only talking about five characters. So, starting us off with uh, our Bruce Elliott as Grandpa Gojo. Grandpa Gojo, I love him! I I think our Bruce Elliott just in, in, imbues him with this very gentle, empathetic soul. Had a weird burp there. Easy. I Just like a very gentle, empathetic, supportive soul to Gojo, where that he is somebody who doesn't want to push his boy, but he also worries about him and wants him to experience more of life because just locking yourself away, like single-mindedly focused on your craft is going to impact you tremendously. Yeah, basically. And like, it's not going to have you grow. And he knows that. And I, I just think our Bruce Elliott's just got this very gentle, like warmth to him that is absolutely a pleasure just watching him play off of uh, Paul Date and especially watching him interact with the uh, wonderful firecracker that is Marin Kitagawa. Oh my god, can I just say one of the funniest interactions between Grandpa Gojo and Marin, it also includes um, Wakana Gojo, is when um, after the misunderstanding about the whole like stockings, stockings and all that fun stuff is resolved. Maureen's invited to stay for dinner. <laughs> and we learn that Maureen lives by herself at this stage. And she can't cook worth shit. No, okay, no, no, no. Well, no, that's... It's not that she can't... It's not that Maureen is a bad cook. She just cooks very bad things. She cooks carbs and fats up the wazoo. Yes. So... So they're like, "Oh God, please, please continue to come over. I yeah. can't watch you. I Grandpa, can't watch you do this Grandpa to yourself." Gojo, she's just like, "Maureen, why don't you just come over for dinner from now on?" She's like, "Really?" Because he's giving her this, like, he's looking like, "Oh my God, how can this one, one girl just eat that many carbs?" Grandpa wants to be there to support his future daughter-in-law. <laughs> hey, I love, I love Grandpa yeah. Gojo. He's very. 
He's very sweet and kind and just so understanding and supportive. Also, small little touch I want to give credits to. I appreciate the fact that in between flashbacks, he he looks younger in flashbacks. And is it just the old man again, but the same as he was ten years ago? He actually looks slightly younger, but still like a man in his, like, early to mid-50s compared to somebody who's in his 60s now. And I appreciate that little visual distinction. Yeah, it's a very nice touch. And to that end, our Bruce Elliott, it, it's, it's very subtle, but you, but you can tell when he slightly ages Grandpa Gojo down a tiny bit in those scenes. It's a very subtle touch, but I love that subtle touch to it. Yeah. I like that he's not sexy grandpa, that he's like actual grandpa. Yeah. That makes I me happy grandpa. considering most of my time on podcasts is talking about sexy grandpa or or the dilf, as the dilf if you will. That reminds me, I need to ask you something later, TG. Okay. We don't have we don't have any dilfs yet. There's a possibility Maureen could have a Dilf dad. Who knows? Okay. Well, but I, I liked the performance here. It reminded me of my grandpa. I miss my grandpa. Like reminded me of my grandpa, too. He was a good guy, and he taught me a lot yeah. of stuff. Like, a lot yeah. of random yeah. stuff. So, it, yeah. it, was, it was very nostalgic and heartwarming for me to hear that. Yeah. Our Bruce Elliott does a good grandpa. Yes, yeah. I think we all miss our grandpa. When he's not, when he's not shown in grandpa, he's a very good grandpa. I don't. I know it. he's been in a lot of stuff, but if you ask me anything that he's done, I couldn't tell you. He's always been around. That's what mm. I remember. Yeah, but he he does a great job every time he pops up. I I will. So yeah, I will say though, and I might as well come. I'd, I'd say because the thing with the whole cast, I was gonna say, is that four, maybe three and a half of these cast members. I don't want to say typecast, but I do feel like they offer like a, a bit of themselves in their performance when they're portraying these characters. Because I know, yeah, Abu's earlier. Of course, he's very good as old man grandpa, and like he owns his craft. He mentors his grandson. In this case, he's a good scene partner to Paul. So he like, oh, oh that's yeah, really so. sweet. I see what you're saying. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I say three and a half. Uh, I'll explain it as time goes on. So, uh, okay. So, I think oh, I love Grandpa Gojo. He's so sweet. He's such a sweet, kind old man. And like Gigi said, I have to hundred percent agree. It has that nostalgia to it. Oh yeah. Like For sure. when I was watching the show and some of the scenes with Grandpa Gojo, I was just thinking of um. God damn it, of Pepe, my grandfather, mm. who passed um a couple years ago now, actually. And I'm just like, this reminds me so much of him. <laughs> and it's the sweetest little thing, and I love it. Warmth is what I would yeah. is the key word I would use to describe uh, Karu Gojo and his performance. Yeah, I love it. So, I think next I want to move on to... I want to keep the family element into the conversation. And I want to talk about the Inui sisters. Oh, Okay. Both Juna and Shinju. Juju and Shinju. 
Oh man, where do we even start with these two? Uh, I, I guess I w you could probably start. You could kind of talk. I want to talk about them both together, but I would probably say, uh, Jade Saxton does a pretty good job as Shinju, where the she's this very tall, shy, reserved girl. Where do I go with? I. She is. Huge tracks of land. Is that she's tall. She's I, tall, I, I healthy. You just want to see her grow up to be big and strong. She's already big and strong. Um, <laughs> I just want her to grow up happy. Y'all do. I, I want her. I want her. I want her to achieve her dreams. No, the the thing I was trying to go is I'm not. I'm not. I I know they're trying to go for the joke of the smaller one is the older one and the younger younger bigger one is the younger one and. It's, it's, yeah, I, I think they are cute dynamic either way, so I'm willing to overlook it. But I guess it's 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 one of those. This show is at least still a little horny in that angle, so I guess that's a little. Eh. It wants to keep a little bit of the horniness too, which is fair, I guess. I guess just like an eyebrow or two raised, not a deal breaker, but at least an eyebrow of. Dude, speaking of said, horny, what was up with that foot scene? What foot? Which foot scene? The one I where have to actually Gojo is like measuring Marin, and she's like, "I need you to measure oh, my yeah, feet." Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like, oh, her here shoe comes size. The fetish train. Choo choo. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whoever was doing that scene was into the feet. So <laughs> good. I good for you, whoever you are. That's some good animation. I'm just not a foot fucker, and I'm not about that lifestyle, and I will judge you for it. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Every every now and then, I think back to that one fucking Sonic the Hedgehog edit of him praying to God, and somebody put the text, Thank you, God, for not making me attracted to feet. Wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. <sighs> Y'all degenerates. So, there are so many Sonic the Hedgehog edits I have discovered, and there's one I actually learned some really good advice from. It was a fucking God. supersonic edit. Great. Which was... Hey, don't trust don't don't trust how you feel about your life past 9 p.m. Okay. And it's genuinely yeah. good valid advice. Yeah, actually. It's very true. Somewhere right well, now Mario is raising eyebrows. <laughs> thank you Sonic the Hedgehog for teaching me to not Thank you for teaching me to not trust how I feel about my life past 9 p.m. and for Believing in me, not a filthy, disgusting footfucker. Anyway, so Jade Saxton. Let's let's talk some hot takes. Here, Andrew, you're always oh. asking me for my anime hot takes. Cool. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Hey. All right, girl. What you got? Something's a little off about Juju. Oh, about you, Juju? Are you really? You saying some bad Juju? A little bad. Oh, a little dude. bad Juju. I don't. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I know she's supposed. The character is supposed to be off-putting. Something. Yeah. Something in that very first episode where she's introduced, like I heard it, and I was like, "Is she supposed to be that off-putting?" I don't know. Hmm. Something. Something weird is going on with with Juju, but then, like her voice turns into like such a little punk and then you get to the abandoned hospital episode and I'm like, I know I should feel sorry for her, but you picked hmm. this location, my dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, even even I'm sitting there. I'm like, bro, you wanted to do the shoot here. <laughs> oh, okay. Your hot take is you think Juju's kind of a, a bit of a bitch. Well, something is just off about the performance. And I, I can't I can't really put my finger on exactly what it is. I but it just I think I know what it is. It's probably when you're introduced to her because she just comes out of nowhere out of the rain and then Okay, yeah, and also I'm just gonna say, yeah, the shower scene is the worst thing in the I was oh, I not forgot about that. I, I was not gonna that. bring that up. I was thinking more about like when she asked Gojo to see the outfits and he has no idea that She's this famous cosplayer, but I had her eye on. Like, there's there's a part where she says Gojo's name, and it just sounds really weird to me. It, it, there's, I think I understand. I think I know what you're talking about. It's kind of like a, if using um musical terms here, like a staccato, like Wakanda Gojo. Yeah, it was right? weird, and I'm like, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. Why? I see what you're saying. I like. I get the impression that like you're talking about her being a little more intimidating and reserved, and I honestly would actually argue that Risa does get that across surprisingly well to me. I mean, I'm not saying she doesn't get it across, but something is a little off. Like I can't tell when I'm supposed to like. Juju and when I'm supposed to think she's a bitch or am I always supposed to like Juju or am I always supposed to think she's a bitch and like I want I want the acting to kind of guide me in one direction or the other but I think in my in my way of hearing things and interpreting the emotions through the dialogue like I don't think it's guiding me in the right direction because I watched the whole anime and I still can't tell you what I think of Juju but I love her sister oh my god her sister's so cute I just want to hug her yeah. yeah I think like Juju is a very interesting situation where it's like so before we're introduced before Juju is even introduced in the show as like an actual character we what we know is they dropped the Chekhov's gun that she's a cute cosplayer. That's all we know. She's a cute cosplayer. She doesn't really talk to anyone. She doesn't really go to any events. Mm. Nobody. She's like a big mystery. She's a sensation, but she's a huge. Everybody thinks mystery. she's a grade schooler, maybe. Yeah. Maybe so it's. So I don't know if maybe that's. That was taken into consideration into some of the choices for Reese's performance. Like I, I, can, I, I think, can see where I can see where Gigi's coming I from. I think I need to hear her in more things because I don't I, think I've ever be heard her before. Issue. And she sounds yeah. oddly like another actress that I can't think of right at the moment. So oh, I can think of who you. Well, I don't I, know if you'd think of her, but I think she, I, I kind of want to jump into that actually because I think I the interesting thing because I've actually heard Risa in a couple of different shows. Yeah, same. And I'm gonna enough. be honest, she sounds discernibly different in all of them to me okay, in different that's ways. Good. Yeah, that's good. I I'm actually going to say that yeah, uh, her Nadila in Kakashi Goto, her Rum in Shadow's House, and. While Futaba Igarashi, I just finished my Shampai is Annoying recently, is a lot closer to, is like the closest comparison I have to her Juju, all of them are really noticeably different mm-hmm. and give off very different energies and performances. Yeah. So, okay. Like, I think that's something I got away from my rewatch of My Dress Up Darling, now that I've heard her in a few things, is 
I'm actually a lot more, like, impressed by Risa's range than I was before I watched this. Yeah. So then maybe this and is a direction choice that I'm just not getting it. I, awesome. I I would actually argue that absolutely uh, Juju's deal is that she is this kind of reserved, intimidating girl that really doesn't understand how to interact with the world around her because it's clear like she doesn't go to events and stuff mm -hmm. she likes the hobby but she doesn't really know people like she she's went to an all-girls school she's mm -hmm. probably like a little reserved like how do i describe this maybe i'm just confused so, like juju maybe juju so, is very confused she's very like innocent but she's very like sundari at the same time that's yeah. not yeah, my character type that I yeah. that's not that's yeah. not my type. <laughs> and like kind of going into some of the other roles that Risa has done but until this point. I've only the only other ones I've seen her in are Kakashi Goto in Shadow's House. Rum in Shadow's House is very soft spoken and kind of higher pitched. Extremely airy. But which very is... airy and higher pitched in tone. Nadelia she, she's like is, a, she's a reserved housekeeper. She's she's a housekeeper with maybe like a slight accent to her, just for shits and giggles. So it, it's very different, and this is a very different resume that I'm hearing right now too. This is a little bit of a, compared to Rum and Nadelia because of the only. Does she I do something on. else? Is she like a VTuber or something? She is a musician, I, I think, if I remember okay. correctly. I don't think she's done VTubing, if yeah. that's what you're saying. But either way, um, so I would say Juju and Shinju, um, it's small dog, big dog. Yeah. Big dog is very soft, cuddly, friendly, sometimes a little bit reserved. Are you saying uh, Shinju has golden retriever energy? Oh, my. <laughs> Not quite. Okay. I wouldn't say she's got golden retriever energy. Okay. Because golden retriever energy, to me, implies extremely happy-go-lucky wag-your-tail energy. The closest I could describe it is that Shinju is like the big, kind of like old, a little older dog. I know, ironic, considering the conversation, but yeah. like, I'm trying to build this picture. Okay. You know the big friendly dog that isn't loud, but is just kind of like a big tub of fur and is the biggest cuddle friend in the world? So, Rory. Sure, let's go with Rory. You just described so your own dog. Yes. I. Yes. Rory I, is a torpedo. I did describe my own dog by trying to explain the personality of a big titted anime girl. What has my life come to? Um, but that's what I would describe it, is that Shinshu's kind of shy and reserved, but she's got, like, a very warm, friendly energy. Well, I feel like, uh, has got a lot more, like, reserved, careful, picking her battles, like, trying to formulate, like, knowing when to show her cards, when to fold them. And I think Risa absolutely conveys are that. You, are you trying to say that Juju is a grumpy old cat? I think I am. I think I am. Are you saying like Juju's Juju is Tiger from Torador? Yeah, she does have big Tiger energy. Yeah. You know. That actually is a good. That's why I, I don't like Juju. Toradora and I understand. That's why I don't like Juju. I wrote in my notes, I wrote, when Juju's a little punk, I love the voice acting. But when she's a little baby, not so much. Yeah. That's yeah, what sure. I wrote in my notes. 
I, I would definitely say I could see a bit of Taiga in it, but I absolutely, like, I was actually pretty impressed with Risa this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I'm impressed with Risa, I, too, and especially what I've known of Risa so far. Same. I also feel bad that I'm not talking about Jade as much, because I feel like, to me, Jade is very much, like, a proven actress at this point, and I feel like she 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 knows the assignment, especially when it comes to this reserved girl trying to... One of my favorite things with this arc of the show is actually Jade Shinju because one of the biggest story elements that kind of just comes out of it, it kind of comes out of left heel but field but it's set up just a tiny bit just enough is the fact that Shinju actually does want to cosplay yes and she not only wants to cosplay she wants to crossplay I love that that is the cutest thing yeah and that whole ordeal where Gojo's trying to help Shinju create... Essentially, he helped her create a closet cosplay. Because the uniform for the character that Shinju wears was similar enough to His school the uniform. uniform that Gojo and Marin go to. And they actually dropped that like when they're watching the show, and yeah. I didn't catch that the first time around. No, yeah, <laughs> it, it, the, the, the little subtleties, the little nuggets are there to build up to this surprise. When you, when you think about it. Um, the school uniform, for example. The question of, like, have you ever wanted to cosplay before when they're eating, like, lunch together. Things like that. And for, for Jade, I think Shinju is very, like, airy, breathy. Just very, very soft-spoken. Which, one, creates a very good balance, I think, with Juju. Not only with Juju... But with the rest of the cast. Because you have fucking Maureen, who's loud and out there. Gojo, who is very... He's a very reserved and has no idea of social cues. And is very dorky because of that. And awkward, which works for him. But Shinju is just more of the quiet, the reserved, just very soft-spoken kind of character. And Jade pulls it off very well. That when the reveal comes that Shinju is now cosplaying this character that she's actually always wanted to try doing. It is the cutest little thing in the world. And I loved every fucking second of it. I actually, I will agree. I thought that scene was adorable yeah. where she, you can tell she's not sure how her sister is going to react. If she's going to make fun of her. If she's going to be mad at her keeping the secret from her. But then you just see her and Marin geeking the fuck out. Yes. And it's, it's really, really charming. Really sweet scene. Yeah. Also, I know we were talking about the fact that the Magical Girl show was like a pre-cure thing. I love the fact that they threw in a little card captor Sakura and had like a gay ship in there. That was the best. <laughs> I was like, wow, they ripped that straight out of card captors. It, was like, yeah, that please. was exactly out of card captors. I and I caught it. it. And they're like, oh my god, it's the ship. Oh, I ship it. it that was the f that was so funny. It was great. And, and then like they're explaining the whole plot line of the relationships. And Gojo's like, this is for little girls? Yeah, that, I wrote that down. Like, He's like, this is a kid's show? Or kids watch this? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so in the game it, it's, it's not that long. It's only 125 episodes. <laughs> it's like, what? This, this is um, a weeb lifestyle choice. I, oh, it, yeah. it feels very weeb lifestyle. And it's just like, I get it. Which, God, some of my favorite parts of the show is just 
there's so much comedy to be had about Gojo being just the normal guy. Yeah. Gojo but realistically he's is not. the straight man. He's not okay. a normal he, guy. He's, he's the normal he's guy who likes dolls. Okay, no, no, no. Gojo he, he is set not... up to be the straight man in this relationship, wait, 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 wait. but he's very... Wait, 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 I got this, I got this. What? He's not the normal guy. He's the normie. Straight up. He does not know jack shit about all this anime stuff. And Marin is just talking about the fact that, oh yeah, no, this dude got transferred to an all-girls school. That's pretty run-of-the-mill. And he's like, that's run-of-the-mill? See, that I can agree with with the normie side. But Gojo has no fucking idea, idea about social cues. Yeah, basically. At all. Okay, okay. I... So you can't even really really equate that to him being a normie. Okay, well, especially, reali- especially at re- one point where he's playing hide and seek, so. I'm, yeah. I'm realizing I really want to talk about Gojo, so are, so before, any other final thoughts? Before we talk about, about Gojo, uh, I just want to say I'm not knocking Riza at all. I just think there's no. something off. I'm gonna be real. I just, I think you just don't like the character. I probably don't. I don't. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a Sundari, and I is that- don't like Taiga. And now that you, you said Taiga, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's probably it. What but if I, I said really Kitty Cat? I did like it when she was kind of nasty. Ah, what the fuck is that? Sorry, there's something <laughs> flying. I feel like you might you. We, I feel like we should probably introduce you to another show that Risa has done. Well, I started watching like Shadow's that. House, and then I got bored, so I never finished it. I, well, that was I, Shadow's House. I bet I know what show you were thinking of, and that's why I kind of wanted to jump in, because this is where... Remember why I said they insert a little bit of themselves into this? And I yeah. think that's probably why it also led to Risa's casting as this character. Is because she a cosplayer? I know she's a mocap actor, but uh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. I'm looking at Twitter. Yeah, I was looking at Twitter. Uh, She's also kind of short, so. Oh, she baby. No, she's she's very open to the fact that she is like three eleven. Yeah. So. She's three foot eleven. Yeah. No shit. Remember that part I said about a little bit of yourself into the performance. I think this Damn, is. Okay, I yeah. think this is where Basically, it kind of came in because she's she's the whole reserved element of being like seen as small and cute your whole life Aww, and all that. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that makes me appreciate it a whole lot more. Uh, me too. That's very cute. Yeah, it's also why she's very good as Futaba, even though I know Cherry Jewel was going for the low-hanging food, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I thought she did very well as a uh, Sajida because <laughs> to me it sounded like Laura Wood, Laura, Laura Woodhull. Yeah, Laura Woodhull, but Laura. with less, a little less of the pitch though, because. I can see it. Yeah, because she didn't have as much pitch, but like you said, her range is very impressive and. Although I've yet to see Shadow's House, I did enjoy her in Kakashi Goto, which... <laughs> oh, she's she's hilarious in Kakashi Goto. Yeah, she's also in Indonesian, I've learned, so... Yeah, which makes sense, considering Nadelia has a little bit of an ethnic background to her. Yeah, in, um, which is funny in comparison to Jade, because... I mean, yeah, Jade's also short, but Jade's taller than her. I think this is the one outlet I have when I said, like three and a half of these actors uh, put a little bit to the, of themselves into this performance because I have never recalled Jade ever played a tall character in her life. You know, that wasn't badly animated, but uh, 
But also, there's so many performances I can recall where she's played this shy demure type, but not to this pitch, and not to the point that you find out not everything is what it seems with this girl. And then you find out the whole reason for this demure is because she was the one that got true true to cosplay, which in turn caused her, I guess, quote unquote, jealousy a little bit. More like, no, more like envious, not, envious. I'm gonna, I'm gonna correct you. Advance, advance. What you? I'm gonna correct you on something. Shinju did not get Juju to cosplay. Juju no. did it on her own. Juju did not. Shinju only created the account for for Juju because she wanted to show off. She wanted to show off her sister. Yes, that I remember. Okay, so no slip up. It's all good. Okay. By the way, speaking of slip ups, you know what I'm gonna say? There are some jokes that could. Good direction can make good direction and good sound design can make certain jokes either really bad or really funny. And I'm going to be honest, this show has a really good one of the big boobs in a tight shirt opening up a button and the button ah! becomes a fucking projectile yes. like a speeding bullet. God. And then she's just And you know what? That was funny. And she's just profusely and apologizing it was As much as that trope is overplayed in more horny shows. I just thought it was funny when it, it happened. It, for comedic effect and for what the context of this moment is, it actually was hilarious. I will say though... I just love the fear of God that was put in his face. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Especially when he had to... Whenever they had to discuss the cosplay, he has to avoid uh, talking about a boost, so... Because one of my favorite lines was when they were trying to figure out how to get this crossplay working. And they discovered this uh, bee holder for a chest. And she's like, Inui, we can make a man out of you without breaking the bank. Oh, <laughs> I forgot yes! about that. <laughs> yeah, they got a fucking Mulan reference in there. I was, was like, great. you know what? I, they, we can make a man out of you. I thought that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Can I just say, from personal experience, bro... Trying to either look like a child or a boy when you have large tits is a pain in the ass. I, I will yep. say, though, I will say, though, that's one of the things I love about the show, and I'll bring it up a little more in Final Thoughts. I like how they, like, <laughs> they explain some of these, like, tropes and kind of how things actually work in this scenario instead of just, like, playing it up for fun. Like, they actually go into a little bit of details you don't really think of in these scenarios, like... I didn't know that, well, I guess I could have known, in the way to, not only did she, like, wrap her chest in a sarashi and compress it, but she ha they had to put in the shoulder pads, not only to make the character more athletic, but to hide more of her chest. So, I like that nice detail. There was small details like that that I really appreciate it. Kind of makes things less dubious, like, yes, there's dubiousness, but how they handle that dubiousness that they... I, I have a story I was trying to go into and you jumped back in. I am sorry. Um, you're good. So, uh, when I was in middle school, we did a production of Charlotte's Web. Oh, I love that story. And I played Charlotte. I haven't heard of this one, You actually. played the spider? Played, oh, no, sorry. I played, not Charlotte. I played Fern. I played the girl. Okay. I played the girl. Who, I'm not, I wasn't Charlotte, sorry. I almost was Charlotte, and then I ended up as Fern, actually. Um, Look, if you're going to be a spider, that's not a deal breaker for me. It's fine. You can sleep on the couch tonight, you realize. 
Portuguese. Anyway, so, of course, 13, 14-year-old me going through puberty and all that fun stuff. And I had to play a little girl. <laughs> we had to, um... I had to not only wear a sports bra, we had to ace bandage my fucking chest to try and get it as flat as we could. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I was already getting rather developed by that point. I'm like, motherfucker. Oh, that's rough. It was bad. We had to ace, like, I wore the sports bra, but it wasn't enough. So we had an ace bandage, and someone had to help me every single time to get my ass in and out of it. <laughs> Just to strap myself down. Why oh, would they do that it. to a kid? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how big was this production? Because I could tell you that, like, my it's, shit that I was a, in didn't give two fucks. It was a middle school production. The, the director of that production kind of gave a shit wow it's not my it's not my high school theater teacher that i loved it was she taught english for my like seventh grade class no it was seventh grade i did this show that's what it was wow and fucking yeah puberty hit me pretty hard apparently i'm just imagining like why the would they do spike. that to a kid like that doesn't make any sense to me like who fucking cares just let the kid wear a shirt. Because I'm supposed to play a little girl. It doesn't matter. You are a little girl. These people suck. I know. Yeah, there, yeah Boy, I'm, there are some yeah, conversations I have Experience, though. Strapping yourself down when you have a larger chest is not fun, boys and girls. So, props to Shinju for doing all that to be a pretty anime boy. Can we talk about Gojo and Mari now? Okay. I've been waiting to talk about these two dorks. I, I thought that was going to be a quick segment, so then we got more into it. Okay. I... I want to talk about these stupid dorks, and I love them. Yeah. All right. Wakana Gojo. I love him! So, half of this episode is basically me... I really wanted to do the show. I really enjoyed it a lot. I think this dub is great, and I really wanted to talk about it. My other ulterior motive for this show this episode is this is now the Wakata Gojo defense zone motherfuckers if I hear you sons of bitches calling this kid some boring bland protagonist or some sort of beta cuck or talking about him as like a generic rom-com anime boy again I'm going to find you I'm going to fucking find Andrew. you okay How stop. Andrew stop Andrew Dial it back a bit here, baby. Let me tell you, okay, I've watched a lot of anime, even though I joke that I don't watch anime. Really, I've seen a lot of anime. This guy is not a boring rom-com protagonist. Oh God, no. He's far from He it. has no, layers. Not. His character has layers. And you know Very. what? So does the vocal performance. And I will admit, at first I thought it was Alejandro Saab. Sorry, Date Bayo. But once I found out it was somebody I'd never heard of, I was like, huh. I get it. And he's so good. Paul Dache is so good in this. And it just... I think it's good that Gojo was played by a relative newcomer. Just because, like... Hold on, I'm about to kill this bug. <laughs> I believe in you, girl. God damn it. Kill that... Kill that sucker dead. He insulted Wakana Gojo in our presence. Andrew. And now he cannot be allowed to live. Andrew. Chris's I'm mom made me some gnat spray. And I don't think it's working. Because every time I spray it on something, like, it never dies. And now everything smells like peppermint. Which is not Should bad. Should have rolled a gnat 20. 
Oh my god, right? God damn it! So, but no, he's so good, and for him to not have any like large anime experience before this, like it blows my yeah. mind. And I'm just like, I'm really happy that he got to play off of Amelie, who is just so natural as Marin. Like, yeah, th- it's there's this one line in the beginning where um, she goes. Um, being like being mean to people is not hot or like making fun of stuff people love is not hot and like she says it so seriously and with such conviction and i was like Mm -hmm. that's gonna be the theme of this anime like don't make fun of stuff that people enjoy it's not attractive and it's not a good quality to have in a person or in a character and just the two of them together his his kind of not he's not that quiet but he's very serious his seriousness plays off her um i would say softness well but he's very he's very serious about everything he does like he's sitting there with a pencil taking notes in uh, slippery girls part two just to try and make sure he gets the ribbons right on the back of the dress would you say studio would you say studious would be a good way to describe him in that sense? something like or it maybe att- or maybe attentive yeah, he is very attentive, and that's not a bad thing. But when right. when he calls out shit that's wrong with Marion's first cosplay that she made herself, he's like, "Oh my god, why did you do that stitch? Like, what's going on?" And and all this stuff. Like, yeah, that was funny. It, yeah. They're both so passionate about their own respective hobbies that it's it's very cute to listen to them be passionate together, even if what they're dealing with is kind of sort of not in the same world. Like he's very right. passionate about his traditional doll clothes and she likes, you know, the weeb shit as they say. So, oh my God, here it is again. Hold on. I'm going to smash it. <laughs> While she's uh, killing a bug. Um, I'm just going to come in. I here got and say it. With, I think. Good job. Ooh. With, um, <laughs> with, uh, Paul Date. I admittedly, it took me a minute for me to kind of adjust to it a little bit. Likely because Paul Date's, like, brand spanking new. This is his first fucking anime. It was about, he's about as green as you get. He's, it's about as green as you get. And because of that, the first episode for me, I think, had a little bit of awkward line reads. But at the same time, the more I got into it, and I kind of, the more I got to understand the direction that Gojo was going with. It was going in, which meant understanding the direction that Paul Dante ended up going with. So, it made me, like, I, I, it was a very quick turnaround for me getting more accustomed to it, because Gojo is, can be very soft-spoken. Gojo can be very soft-spoken. He is a big fucking dork. And he has... No idea about any kind of social cues. It makes him very, very awkward at times. And the the voice I ended up matching what kind of character this that Gojo can be. It even has it even has moments where like Gojo's freaking the fuck out, where it's like the the tone of voice gets to be like kind of high pitched falsetto on occasion, almost like it's um. Almost like Gojo's going through puberty all over again, if that makes sense. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. 
but that's not a bad thing because those when those moments his happen, his voice is cracking hard. His voice is cracking hard. Yes, but that's not a bad thing because those moments really only occur when Gojo is having those moments that he doesn't know what he's experiencing or dealing with. Like, Maureen just standing in his bedroom in a bikini. What the fuck is happening? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, Gojo in a love hotel alone with a girl. Why are we in a love hotel? What the fuck is happening? Things like that. I like, freak out moments like that. Sometimes you hear a slight voice crack, and I think that kind of adds to the performance a little bit. I will say so, that I'm sad the anime kind of went the route of B Gotta HK, where... I don't know. Has anybody seen that, Jamal? I have. Right? You know, you know, I have seen. I that know you TV. have. Uh, uh, what's, I the, what's the context? Of this? So the context is is that Yamada wants to sleep with a hundred guys. However, she has not even held hands with a boy before. So when she does find her perfect cherry boy. And they're so awkward together because he thinks that she's kind of a hoe bag and she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. So she's just trying to fake that she's a hoe bag. And like, I'm not saying Marin is a hoe bag because she's not. But like, I just don't like the way that they are when they're together. I'm kind of disappointed that the anime went the route to make them both awkward. Like, I was was that don't agree, actually. I I don't know. I like. I feel like that's been done before. I'm kind of tired of that trope. They did it in Spy Family too, and they're grown ass adult. Well, yours a grown ass adult, and I'm like, what? Uh, what? Well, really? well. See, there's a reason so, for that, okay. but I'm not gonna so, say. So, see, okay, see, Spy Family. I would argue is at least the more comedic element. This I buy a lot more in the. Yes, I know it's been done to death before, but I'd argue not everyone does it good. This is much better I, than than what they did in in B got HK. Like towards the end of that, the joke got really old, and here it was more sincere. I felt than jokey, which made it nicer for me to listen to these poor characters going through absolute hell yeah, in their brains trying to get together. Especially, especially when you look at Marine, who is a character who we learned very early on from the get go. She doesn't give a shit about guys who are into her if they don't respect what she likes. It goes back to the whole, it's not hot if someone disses what you like. It goes back to that conversation again. Like, she doesn't give a shit if so, some dude, hot guys, try to get it in on her. And let just, me, let me finish, please. It, it, it goes back to that conversation. So that setup is there early on. So when... You start seeing Marin kind of fall for Gojo, of all people. She has those moments of, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? How am I in love with this kid? And then just like, oh, wow. He's actually really cute. But all the same time, she's still being herself. She's being herself, but she also doesn't understand that some of the shit that she does by being herself puts... It puts them into an awkward situation. She doesn't... Where Gojo doesn't understand social cues, I don't think Maureen understands, like, relationship romance kind of cues. I don't think she understands... She just doesn't... Uh, it doesn't click. <laughs> she doesn't understand the concept of shame. And I don't... Specifically, 
She does not see shame in anything that she does. She does not feel embarrassment in herself, her body, because she is comfortable. She is open and free. She is all of that. She's comfortable being who she is, and she's just like, it's all, all good, dude. And Gojo is somebody who is a lot more reserved and told and like kind of believed to like this stuff is wrong. You shouldn't do that and stuff. And she's just like, it's chill, dude. It's whatever. And I think that's why I kind of just am enamored by their relationship is that they are two different sides of the coin that complement each other's strengths and weaknesses in really fun and interesting ways. Opposites attract, my friend. Mm-hmm. Opposites That's exactly attract. what this is. It's a it's a classic opposites attract story, but these two are just dorky little goobers and we love them. Okay, before you go back into performances, all I'm going to say is watching twelve episodes of my dress up darling, it's so easy to see what a worse show with a worse writer could have or would have done with these characters. Yeah. Didn't we um you and I talked about how Oh my god, you and I talked about the other night how the mangaka who wrote this actually, actually, what was it? like? Okay, so first things first. She's better at writing like fun little sexy moments compared to guys. Okay, we're ripping this off early. Cool. It's not early, we're an hour and a half in. Okay. I had a eureka moment watching um the uh the love hotel episode because mm-hmm. i believe it's it's documented at this point that the author of my dress up darling is actually a woman my eureka moment from watching the love hotel episode mm-hmm. is i have seen a good amount of anime try to be titillating try to be sexy and be bad. Be very bad, very awkward, very cringy, break the flow of the entire show just for a 10 second gag of somebody falling into a girl's tits and it's like, ooh, soft, yeah, you pervert, or something like that. And it's lame, it's whatever, I've seen so many of that, I'm like, whatever, I don't care anymore. Then the Love Hotel scene happened, where it feels natural and like it's awkward and they're dorks and whatever but like the passion is there the fire is there i genuinely believe that these two are feeling it in that moment that passion that fire that they are seconds away from giving into desire and i'm sitting there like nearly biting my fucking lip and I'm like oh my god this is oh man this is actually spicy this is great and my eureka moment from this from watching Beastars and from watching Case Study of Vanitas uh, those other two are also written by uh, female mangaka by the way my eureka moment is male otaku are so fucking bad at Porn! Yeah. They're terrible! Yeah. They're so fucking terrible! I get it now! I understand! I understand why you fucking ladies think that shit's so fucking trash! It's because 
good stuff is so good and the bad stuff is so fucking shit! Women don't romant over romanticize that kind of shit like men do. The erotic women try to keep it as like realistic and natural as possible. We like to fantasize, yes. But we also like a bit of realism to it. Yeah. The eroticism with Marin and Gojo is there. The relationship is developed and built enough in a way mm-hmm. that I truly believe that in that moment, the passion and fire of these two to get the it on was, was there. there. God, there's so much terrible fucking anime porn out there. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so fucking trash, yep. dude. Wow. So many of us. God, you He's fucking ha- male otaku settle for scraps! You settle for fucking chew toy scraps! Ladies and gentlemen, he said a revelation. We need to put him in a corner now, though, and sedate him, because he's losing his goddamn mind. Can you please what stop I'm saying is- the soapbox, please? <laughs> My dress-up darling is very good and very hot. I would like to talk about more of these characters, but I need a break, and I need to quench my thirst stop settling for scraps you fucking freaks Andrew. settle for the Andrew. good shit thank you <laughs> so yeah he's gonna go get a drink real quick yeah suddenly i'm very thirsty is what she says when uh when she wants to go to hook up with him or her over the summer uh, anyway so i'm gonna start with paul first because like i said a lot i Oh, you... I think we both have been talking about Paul. We haven't really touched on Malia. I have. Well, Gojo certainly has, but uh, anyway. Wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> I will get into that soon. So, with Paul, and like I said, this is where part of, this, part of what I said comes in about asserting a little themselves into the performance. If you'll check the Twitter chat, ladies, there was a tweet Paul voiced about uh, identifying with his character. In which he had a similar experience as Gojo did, except it was where he was practicing violin and voiceover when he was younger. So I could kind of feel that, you know, because yet, because to me it was like a self-insert, but I could definitely understand from an anxious standpoint because when you interacted with somebody of the opposite sex, yeah, it can seem no more types, but it's when it goes beyond that, the difference kind of lies. You know, because he's doing this whole cosplay thing for her. And then he realizes what he's getting into is just making him more and more anxious. To which, uh, episode two, and this is and this is where the female author comes in. Because I agree that, like, there's a little bit of dubiousness. Episode two was, like, the, to me, like, the peak of it. Because it's like, <laughs> uh, man doesn't really think. Too much of the situation had maybe she teases by a little bit sometimes, especially when he's just a. Uh, let's just say play with some tissues at some point. The whole thing about that is is that you know he has no social cues to go off of, and uh, he just wants to make sure he's respectful to Mary's needs towards his cosplay. Although, at one point, I got a little scared when I saw Gojo was slapping himself. I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? Why are you slapping her butt? I was like, no, he's not slapping her butt. Not, not gonna lie, the engineer got that really scared me a little bit. <laughs> so, good job. Oh, you mean when he slaps his face to try and, like, get out of the, uh, yeah. daze? Yeah. Oh, that... Guy... He, he didn't sl- 
You thought he slapped her ass, really? Not not the first time, but the second time I watched this as well. Oh my god! Okay. So, I mean, you were about to say what you said, so there's that. But you know, this no together to break down each other's show if you think about it, because I know and this is where the half comes in. With Amelie is bad. Amelie was perfect because Amelie herself is a cosplayer. She respects her craft. And, and she'll fight for what's right towards her craft if need be. But unlike unlike Marin, Amelie is not a bit of a class. Because, you know, Marin does some things that are like a little bit outside the norm. Like when she gets fit for a costume. And the time between that and her first cosplay, she just like stuffs her bra just to app herself up. It's like... Okay, I think that was that wasn't even that abnormal. That, that was just that wasn't super, ab, she, that was abnormal, but it's like you know, like you said, that she, okay, she doesn't. I, I think it was silly, but I think that was that was like, oh, she's just really hype, but she's like, oh, I want this girl to have like the, I want this cosplay to have the fattest tits on earth. I'm so hyped Which for that. Was not necessary, but hey, like I said, the author knows what she's doing with these kinds of scenes, and I like the fact that like when they start to realize they like each other. It's, they uh, have more of the dump sound effect than the, the rather than the nosebleed. Because if they had the nosebleed, yeah, goodbye. So basically, a little more shoujo-ish in that sense. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, like when she's kind of realizing she's into him, she starts seeing him with a little more like flowery uh, imagery around him too. Yeah, and they start to bond over more of co- over more cosplay, like real life stuff, to which. I would admit, a lot of those cosplays were really cool. There was one... Oh, yeah, a couple of them are pretty cool. I'm gonna admit something. There was an ulterior motive to me being on this episode. There was one cosplay in particular that uh, some of us were talking about, but they never really bothered to explain why. Are you talking about Veronica? Yes. Cause here's... Okay, I, the floor is yours on this one. Yes, uh, let me just... Uh, Extinguishes fire on the soapbox. The whole thing with Veronica, for one, guys, it's a fictional character. We don't we don't know what she's what she is, what she's supposed to be, where she's from. All we know is it's a vi- type of video game, as far as we know. But uh, it looked very. I it's a very direct Guilty Gear. It, from it, 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 it is, and even then, it's like. I really wish y'all would stop quitting that kind of stuff to blackface. Because for one thing, I looked at the character. She's not even that tan enough for y'all to worry about. Because I know I see that a lot of y'all culture that like, Japan kind of portrays. And uh, let me tell you, somebody who's uh, watched a thing or two. Japan doesn't really write black people very well. But also... But also... Don't worry about it. But also... Second of all, it's not like she could have done any more damage with that bronzer she had. Like, she knows what she's doing. She's not that stupid, guys. It's not a big deal. Get over it. Because I remember when my fellow uh, POC colleagues just kind of rolled their eyes at it. They never really bothered to explain why, which is why I'm here tonight. Guys... Marin is not that stupid. She knows her limits. She knows what she's doing. She's not one of those typical ditzy girls you see in anime. 
Also, for another thing, stop calling it blackface. It's not blackface. I saw the character. It's not even tan enough to be there, to be honest. Like, and it's perfectly fine because if nobody's making a big deal by it, why are you? So piss off. But I think that haven't been said. Amelie did a very good job because, like I said, this is pretty much this is pretty much Amelie to a T. Well, minus the clutch part because Amelie is a bit is smarter than that, you know. You remember actors are not characters, but they can look like them sometimes, and I think she definitely managed to. Hit hit the hit it where it counts is what I'm trying to say, you know. You get what I'm saying, right? I get you. I I get you. I think it's just the level of like I don't know. Mar Marin's just like an excitable kid who's just yeah really yeah it's into not, the, okay. She's not gonna know any better just yeah like she's just starting to find herself. I mean. Towards the last third of the show, she's discovered she's starting to have feelings for Gojo. To which, <laughs> that whole encounter where they Gojo ends up at her apartment the first time, that was kind of funny because Gojo is looking away like, oh my god, her boss exposed. And then she's just looking at the mirror and she's like, oh shit, I'll have my contacts on. Which, I even know she wore contacts, but hey. Like I said, this. There is dubiousness to this show, but it's how that dubiousness is handled that makes it stand out. I can relate to that contact thing because when Chris and I started dating, I did not want him to see me with my glasses on. So I was like, oh my God, I don't have my contacts in. What am I going to do? I, I, I did think that whole freak out to see her like real eye color was actually pretty funny and pretty yeah. cute. I also appreciate the fact of I am always a big fan of vocalizing a keyboard smash. Because, <laughs> yes, th those two scenes where she is uh, freaking out and making those weird noises, like, in the subs, it's literally just a keyboard smash. And I just liked, I loved, especially, like, the vocalization where she's just kind of, like, watching shows with him. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty, she cute. pretty fucking cute. She cute. I love it. She, she cute. So... Yeah, I, I think for sure the thing Amelie brings to the table of Marin is just absolutely getting the infectious extrovert, proud to be herself energy to Marin. Just absolutely, like she is a free spirit. She is an untamed stallion running through the meadows and is going wherever the winds take her. And she's just... She's just kind of happy to be herself. And she's not ashamed to be herself. She's not she's not embarrassed to be like that trendy gal girl who's just into anime and otaku shit. Because that's important to her and she loves that stuff. She's in a classroom hanging out with like the hot chicks in her class. And she's going off about shipping in her favorite magical girl show. Because of course she can. That's what she's about. I think... And... I think that Amelie just does a really good job flipping between the emotions that Marin goes through. Like she flips between like being happy and excited and passionate and then dead serious and nervous. Like her performance has so many different sides to it and is really more challenging than I think a lot of people who watch this anime give her credit for. So no, yeah, absolutely. Like, 
Amelie. That's why I say, like, uh, what I said earlier about Maureen basically being, I think, potentially career highlight for Amelie. Yeah. Because um, there's so much to Maureen as a character. She's spunky. She's no-nonsense. She's just energetic. She's very silly and dorky and nerdy. There's just a lot of sides to Maureen. Amelie not only balances it all very, very well, but she also makes Maureen a much more fun and endearing character. Because if you gave this character to, like, if you wrote this character in a different way, Maureen would suddenly become the most obnoxious person in the room. Yeah, basically. You also could have written her in a way that could have made her way more forceful and making Gojo do things against his will or things he's really not cool or comfortable with. Like, she toes the line a little bit, but I feel like she recognizes there are times, okay, yeah, that's being a bit too much, I'm sorry about that, Or, but kind of learns to play his game and march at his own beat, which isn't as fast as hers, which the the key to a good romance is it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. And the thing that my dress-up darling succeeds is having these dance partners learn each other's rhythm exceptionally well. And I think you're, you're, what you said about Mari needing to learn to like go at Gojo's pace at times also gives an extra layer to Mari because she's, she's relearning some of the things that she might have potentially taken for granted all over again because of Gojo experiencing these new things for the first time. So she's getting the chance to, like, experience these things in a new light. The beach, for example. I thought that... I love the... That was yeah. beautiful. That was so Because Gojo cute. has never... Ne- Gojo never has gone to the beach before in his entire life. Maureen has gone probably countless of dozens of times. It's second nature to her. It's second nature to her. But her getting the chance to kind of slow down and go at his speed and experience basically going to the beach again for the first time through Gojo is just a fun little scene that I just, just a fun moment that I really think added more to Marion's character. So she's reliving some of these firsts through Gojo and it adds more to it. And I think Amelie just cap like captures those moments very, very well. Like there's again, so much to Marine. And Amelie is just, just handles it beautifully. Like, this is, again, a career highlight for her. A hundred percent. She is funny. She is charming. She is sexy. She is adorable. She is a... a, She's adorkable. Adorkable. Oh, yeah. I also, I, God, every time... Every time I think about it, I feel like it could have been so easy... To make my dress up darling a worse show in a worse writer's hand. Just could have made Mari much more forceful. You could have made her more obviously like jealous and petty of the other girls and people Gojo hangs around. It, but no, it doesn't. And it's 
better for it. It really is. Oh, also, uh, just because I don't know where to bring this up, I love when uh, Gojo and Juju are talking about, like, the finer details of the art of cosplaying, and she's like, oh, shit, I need to sound smart, and that I know all <laughs> oh, this cosplay yeah. stuff. So it's like, hey, um, uh, so, you know, this little garter, this little dress thing, it's, like, super cool, but, like, mega hot, and, like, these, super fetch. These shoulder uh, thingies? These, these gold shoulder things are, like, mega fetch. Like, this whole yep. outfit is, like, super duper mega fetch. Yep. Yeah. Fetch. And I, I was like, okay, that's... that's Stop trying to so make fetch funny. happen. Thank you, Gigi. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying her best. Maureen's doing her best. She's adorable. I also just appreciate the fact that she plays herself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. She does. So I my favorite like some of my favorite moments is like when she's like, oh my god, she is so excited to make the romantic omelet rice thing with yeah. the heart ketchup <laughs> thing. Oh my god. That's and then so she's funny. like It's so funny because I appreciate that the show didn't do the oh Mari's a bad cook thing, because I fucking hate that trope so much. But no, she's a decent cook. She's just not refined. Yes. And she's like, yo, I gotta do these eggs. Yo, this shit tastes great. This is baller. He's gonna love it. I'm the best. And I'm then, a genius. And then Sorry. The egg falls apart. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Egg the egg didn't the egg didn't stay together like I hoped. That's such a good visual gag. I was <laughs> laughing so for like a minute. It was so good. Yeah. Mari and Kitagawa with the same energy of the Gundam image. I'm a genius! Oh no! <laughs> and also, God, I love the horror movie, which is like yeah. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Where Bard's like, ooh, let's watch this movie. I hear it's good. I don't, and Gojo's I, the one who's almost freaking out. I was like, are you sure? It's I, I don't know. About I that. don't know. I don't like horror movies. I don't and know. And then what to the roles reverse. And then he's like, oh my god, that was so cool. Look at the costumes. We, How did they do that? And Bard's like, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, he's going okay. back to different scenes just to admire all of the costumes, and Maureen's just sitting there, like, trying to keep from looking at the TV, like, I'm not looking at this! Yeah, yeah, okay, alright, yeah, and yeah, then the end, And then the end of episode 12, which was a great ending, by the way, where she's like, so I decided to watch the, the second movie without you. And like, and now everything scares. Everything me. scares me. I hear little sounds, and I think I'm gonna die. Please talk to me while until we fall asleep to make me feel better. Also, God, that was so cute. It mm -hmm. was very cute. I loved it. It reminds me of you and me when we were when we were long distance dating for a while. Yeah, that's very much what we did. And so cute. I. You always fall asleep first. By I then. sort of had a kind of eureka moment where I understood Marin, where. She's watching, like, Diet Pretty Cure with Gojo. And in that moment, she is happier than, like, she has ever known before. Because, like, to her, showing love is showing interest in the things she likes and spending time with those people. And I, and I sort of had, like, that eureka moment where, like, one of my favorite things to do with Steph is legitimately just sitting on the couch and just watching anime together. It's his love language, it, ladies and gentlemen. It is legitimately, like, I think the times I feel most happy 
being with Steph is just kind of chilling on a couch and watching some stuff together, and I just genuinely clicks and feel right. And, like, I empathize with Mari in, in that, to her, that is her realizing that she is the most happiest right now. Yep. Sharing that with somebody she truly cares about. And, hell, even in, going back to episode three, she didn't really, it didn't really matter that Go, it didn't really matter whether or not Gojo was a fan of this erotic visual novel about the humiliation club where, like, a girl's gotta get a butt plug pulled off her and a guy's just ejaculating in the middle of the school. She didn't really need him to like that or even give a sh- or even care about it at all. She just... She wanted somebody to care about this thing that she liked and was important to her. Because even her own friends, like, because they're her friends, but they're not her dork friends. They don't really care and wouldn't really show interest. But Gojo does. Gojo doesn't laugh at her. Gojo doesn't judge her. Gojo listens and wants to understand and take interest in things she cares about. And that goes a lot into their relationship. I think both Paul Date and Amelie absolutely capture everything that these two characters are. Mm-hmm. Paul Date is this quiet, reserved, dorky guy who is very extremely passionate about the things that really matter to him. And Marin is this louder-than-life, larger-than-life extrovert who's super excited and super down to try anything and cool with everything. Learning a lot more about each other and complimenting each other and being better people together while also being their own people. Isn't that what relationships are all about? There's so many shows that write two characters that either don't function to, that only function together, or can't really stand on their own no, without one another. What I'm saying is that's what relationships are all about, isn't it? Though? Exactly, and and I, this just works wonderfully. I think absolutely, just I'm enamored with both of these two performances in particular. Paul absolutely being a fresh face in the dubbing industry absolutely like taking it some like a really hard task and truly truly impressing me with his funny banter his warmth his freak out moment oh god i didn't even talk about the fact that he's having the anxiety attack when he's freaking out and he like is hate judging his life and he's on the verge of tears and he pushes through and like that whole scene was beautiful and he absolutely sold that and the fireworks scene where stop it don't make me cry look i'm about to get real life fireworks coming up uh you know but and yeah just absolutely entranced by like paul's fresh face this and amelie absolutely bringing a character as fun larger than life as marin and you know what, Wakanda Gojo Defense Squad is me saying he is not a bland, boring rom-com schlub. He's an interesting weirdo guy who loves his craft, but is also funny and Gojo dorky. Is a, Gojo is a goober. We stand goobers we stand goober. in this house. And we also star, stand Marin, because there are some fucks out there 
who are of the opinion that Marin is like unrealistic or the oh, manic pixie dream girl. Oh my god. These mm. people need to get out more or if you're not going to get out watch more anime and like educate yourself on how tropes work and how they it's, don't it's, work because plus, and honestly, plus take a good long hard look at yourself before you judge other people. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, I just think Marin is I I believe Marin Kitagawa's exist out there, which are basically girls that are hot and they are know it, but are also kind of like aggressively dorky and yeah. And also she's kind of a bit of a disaster, but she's just she's just a cool dude. She's cool. I, I will I will remind folks that at the start of this episode Gigi compared herself to being Maureen when she was younger. Yep. <laughs> So <laughs> something something I don't know otaku girls are ers are cool and all that stop being weirdos about It's that. not hot. It's not hot. It's not hot to judge people for what they're about. Anyway, you've been on your soapbox for a while. Yeah, there. let's get off. I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get off, uh, there's a love hotel right around the Andrew. Hey, Gigi. Hey, Stephanie. You know, you know what hasn't happened yet tonight? What? You canceling Andrew. You know here's what? Your, here's your prime opportunity. Gigi, please tell me your final thoughts, and then after that, you can cancel me all you want. Paul Date Bio, welcome to <laughs> Dub Talk. Hey! hey. Amelie is perfect. Uh, this dub is amazing. If it doesn't win some dubbies from me at the end of the year, uh, I don't know what could possibly surpass it. Although, to be fair, I haven't watched Requiem of the Rose King yet or anything that that's on my list. anything that's supposed to be more serious. But for a shonen rom-com, like, this is very much my jam. And I loved this dub. You should all watch it. You should watch the show dubbed. I didn't even watch it subtitled because the dub was so good. That's how you can tell. It's got Gigi's stamp of approval. So yeah, go watch the dub of My Dress Up Darling, especially if you like the the feels. And it's a little shoujo trashy, to be fair, but it's, you know. That's why it's Gigi's jam. It is. And I really miss my hair like that. And... Maybe I'll maybe I'll change it this weekend. We'll see. I need to get a haircut. I do too. I can't find anyone who'll do my hair. All these salons in Texas are booths only. So like when I go to make an appointment, they're like, "Well, you have to call the individual person." I'm like, "I don't know who these people are. I just moved here." I I I only go I just go to like a local supercuts cuz I don't have the money to go to a nicer salon right now. I used to work for at a hair salon, so like I, I was used to getting my hair dyed rainbow colors every two weeks. I, oh my god! I'm I miss jealous. it. Somebody just I've knocked. never dyed my hair. What? what? You need to. It's fine. I've never dyed my hair. I've only gotten highlights and lowlights. That's the extent of it. Anyway. Oh yeah, Andrew's canceled. <laughs> I say as I try and knock these bubble teas out of my mouth. All right, uh, Jamal. Is there really a love hotel if there's no mirror on the ceiling? Anyway. God damn it.
Do we have to cancel Jamal too now? Hey, hey whoa, dude. dude, it's, dude, only dude. it's only fair. No, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal's like, fuck you, I'm out. Jamal's over party. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. It's an hashtag Andrew's over party. It's there been it it's is. been so long that I forgot how to cancel him. Anyway, you got you gotta get better at that. Okay, go on. Anyway, I definitely like to say some start to finish. Like I said, like yeah, it does some foot tropes, but like I said, it depends on like how it's handled and its writing, its execution, especially in the dub too, because the dub was so fantastic that. You were, you couldn't believe that this was a new guy taking on his first ever role in anime ever. Like, but the fact that he dominantly poured their heart so much into this is like, you you would think this would be like, I I don't know how to describe it. I mean, cause to me, Gojo kind of reminds me, I guess, of myself when I used to be anxious about people like Marin, but. As eventually as time goes on, he learns to start opening it up to other people. So, I kind of commend him for that, for telling the story in a very unique way that, like, if you've never met a man in your life, you're probably going to eventually stop giving uh, stop giving Gojo some flack. Uh, learn to take some cues from proper anime like this, especially... If you're gonna watch an anime like this too, you also gotta admire the animation that went into it too, cause oh yeah, they did it. Mo most of the scenes look like they just took real life photos and juxtaposed it over this hand drawn animation. I found it so impressive, that, like I couldn't believe this was a Cloverworks anime, but I gotta give them the props and uh, well, pretty much everybody did a good job all around. You want me to go? Yes. Oh, okay. So, I have been a mix of burnt out, well, I've been burnt out for a while in anime, and because work is driving me mental. So I've been trying to get back into watching anime here and there, and watching My Dress of Darling, <laughs> it's so fun. It's just a lot of fun. The show itself is very charming, it's, it, it's endearing it's, it's really relatable as well when you like if you can see yourself in some of these characters and then the dub itself is just amazing it's very diverse in terms of actors experienced actors versus newer actors versus um different ranges of voices with fun writing with fun character development which is it is such a fun little romp and it's I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it again this is certainly a career highlight for Amelie first and foremost this is such a bang up job for an introduction into the anime world by Paul Date and for her first full-time directing gig, or one of her first-time full-directing gigs... At Funimation. At Funimation. Emily Fajardo really is going to become, I think, a mainstay director. Mm. The more she... The more work she puts in, the more time and effort she puts into these kinds of things. So, kudos to everyone all around. 
I am crossing my fingers for a season two. If not, it's not, not a big deal. At least it didn't give us a terrible way to end it. But please go watch it. It's very fun. It's very... It, it's fun, hilarious, very dorky and awkward at times. It's just very charming. And it's... Uh, just go watch it. You're up, baby. Where do I go with this? So... This is a show that really charmed me in a way I was not expecting. I figured this might be a really fun and entertaining one, but this one kind of enraptured me and is honestly probably one of the best. In a year full of really good rom-com anime, I would definitely go and say this is probably one of, if not the best one to come out this year. This dub is hilarious, charming, really funny, and just the, the charisma and passion of everybody on board, and... Fuck, this one's just good. I'm trying, I'm trying to be fancy with my phrases. This one's just... This one's just good, and I felt good watching it. I like these characters. I like this story. I like this development about, like, finding yourself and your passions through cosplay and the Hina dolls and just getting out of your shell and doing things out of the ordinary that you wouldn't have done with before. Just absolutely... This one really kind of captured my heart and absolutely huge huge recommend a must watch for sure and definitely a fantastic dub everybody involved in this one should be proud so yeah if you would like to watch dress up darling you can do so over on funimation and crunchyroll's website you can find it in the original Japanese with English subtitles, as well as the English dub, as well as the Spanish and Portuguese dubs, too. If you want to watch it in Spanish and Portuguese, this one was just us talking about the English dub of this. And if you would like to listen to more of us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, you can find us over on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dubtalkpodcast. You can find us also on audio platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Podbean. If you'd like to support the show, you can give us a one-time donation to our Ko-fi. And if you would like to be a regular supporter of the podcast, you can follow us over on Patreon, where we can where you help support the show and we can give you shout-outs at the end of the episode if you're high enough tier. So we'd like to shout out a couple of our wonderful patrons like Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin with Yowie Hands, Victor Mayborda, Anthony Brown, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. You are all beautiful people that help support the show, and we love you and appreciate every single one of you. Thank you very much. Friends, would you like to introduce you yourselves and plug yourselves to the viewers at home? Do you? Uh, you can also follow Dub Talk on the Twitters at Dub Talk Podcast. You can also sometimes see us play Vigima games over on Twitch. 
at Dub Talk Podcast. Hmm. Yes. You forgot those. I did. Uh, yeah. Well. Okay. Anyway, plug yourself. While I'm here. Hello, my name is Stephanie. I'm sometimes also known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I post things sometimes. I have a blog collecting dust, life and times to talk about WordPress.com. I should really figure out what the fuck I'm doing with it. And speaking of that Twitch, uh, you can catch me streaming on the DubTalk Twitch account, uh, typically on Sundays. Uh, in the afternoon by myself, uh, I've been streaming... At least at the time of this recording, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. And then in the evenings with Andrew, uh, where we kind of just play random shit. At the time of this recording, we're finishing up Stanley Parable. And then we're going to move on to... Um, and this episode is going to come out like months down the road. Uh, yeah. I, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative. So I'm the so sequel excited. to I, the Somnium Files. I'm so Files. excited. I'm so excited. So we're going to be starting that one very soon. So... Next. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at Coogee's. <laughs> I'm Gigi. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, my anime list, my figure collection, or Pop Shop Live at Anime Palooza. Um, come join me on Pop Shop Live where I sell cute things for you guys and you can help fund my Coogee obsession or pay my rent um, because I'm poor. Paying the rent is very important. I, I need is. to pay the rent. Because it's a thing. You gotta make that money to the bank. Mama has to go to the bank. Mama went to the bank. Boom. Mama went to the bank. And spent her money on coogees, so. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Jamal? Uh, Jamal, you can find me on Twitter, Jamstar529. On YouTube at Jamstar1. I know I've been meaning to talk about doing solo podcasting. I will get there eventually, so please just shut up. <laughs> I'm an assistant editor for this podcast. Uh, I would say I can be found on Twitch sometimes, but I've only been there what two or three times. I'll be I'll be on there someday. Don't worry about me. So. For 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 major game nights, though you you though unfortunately you missed the last one we just had, so it was a fun time. Plus, You've been watching the vod though today. You said so. Yeah, most of it. I do want to stream something, but I'm trying to get a setup going. And... Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm just here chilling out, just talking to you guys. Yeah, buddy. Uh, alrighty, and my name is Andrew. You can find me over on Twitter, aka Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000. If you'd like to see other things I do, uh, I'm on Surreal Resolutions Anime Podcast, Podcast ONA. We talk about the latest in anime and English dub news alongside my fellow Dub Talk podcast co-host, Jet. And with that, I think that'll call it a night. The only thing I'm going to say is... I completely forgot to mention this. Man, Goto's got a, Gojo's got a neck fetish and Marin is so going to write that down. <laughs> Like I, like I was literally thinking, watching that whole exchange, which like I'm thinking about that one SpongeBob um, um, clip. Write that down. Write that down. I thought we were trying to end the episode, not gush about the show. Come on, more. guys. I could gush about a lot more things about the show. You know what really you gotta good. say at the end of the show. Say your wow. say your lines, and then I'll end it for you. Oh, 
We don't really have any lines outside of Otaku on. Uh, Thank you for hanging out, Otaku on. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, good night, everybody. Good Otaku night. on. Keep it dressed. Love your faces. And say it with me now, kids. Date bio. Date bio. Date bio. Fetch. God damn Stop it. it. Fetch is going to be a thing. No, it's not. Shut the fuck so you up. You ruined my Naruto ending. Just everyone press stop. Date bio. Bio.